It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through any game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football. Watching. You are Locked On Bengals. Your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today, we're going to start the show by talking about a question that Zach Taylor brushed off in his brushed off in his press conference on Monday. He was asked, "Have you given any thought to giving up play calling duties?" Didn't really seem too keen on that question, but what if he did? Would it matter if Brian Callahan was calling the plays? We'll start the show there before getting into our midweek mailbag. We've got a bunch of great questions today. A lot of them on the topic of coaching some of them on the topic of the offseason, and some of the players already on the team. So we'll get into those questions in segments two and three of the show. But James, you asked me this hypothetical question before we started recording the podcast. Would it matter if Zach Taylor gave up play calling? Let's have that discussion. Brian Callahan has largely been waiting in the wings under Zach Taylor, who's been calling the plays in Cincinnati. And I'm sure Callahan has had a significant hand in in composing this offense and putting together scheme and installing the offense. But as far as I know, Brian Callahan has only had a chance to call plays during the senior bowl. I don't think he's had an opportunity to do so even in the one preseason, I guess he was in Cincinnati last year. Zach was putting in a new offense at that point in time. Sort of makes sense that you would want to get those reps in, in the preseason. If you're Zach Taylor, James, would it make a difference? Like, would it let Zach Taylor focus more on the administrative duties of being a head coach and give us a chance to see maybe Brian Callahan is a really good play caller. We, we really don't know the answers to either of those questions when Zach Taylor is calling the place. And that's the thing. It's a delicate balance, Jake, because I, I totally get where Zach is probably coming from. Hey, the reason I was hired is because of my offensive expertise and I was always going to call the plays and so, look, we've struggled and we've only scored 17 points in the, the last 10 quarters, but I'm going to fix it and we're going to fix it and solve it. And so that's probably what he's thinking. But at the same time, you're right. What if he had, it does give up the play calling and things suddenly seem more buttoned up and seem more organized and Callahan does push the right buttons at the right times? It, because honestly, outside of well, at least entering the 2019 season, it's not like Taylor had 
a bunch more experience calling plays outside of being an interim offensive coordinator in Miami for, you know, the, the final stretch of the season a few years ago. He hadn't done that at the NFL level. So I don't think it's really an experience thing because his experience is going 423 and one. At the same time, I get why head coaches, specifically offensive head coaches, that were hired to do just that, don't want to give up play calling duty. So it's it's a delicate balance, and I'm not sure there's a right answer. But I will say this. If it's if I'm Zach, maybe that's the card you're holding on to until the offseason. Hey, we had all these injuries. We, we've been dealing with all this adversity. We think we're building in the right direction. Let's make these changes. And by the way, I also want to focus on our team. And so Brian's going to call the plays. You know, maybe that's it, or maybe it's the opposite, and the front office makes him give up the play calling this offseason if they do retain him. So I think that that's, that's a card Zach might pull out if he was trying to keep his job and he knew that this was kind of the last straw, but uh, maybe that's not the case. It's interesting. I think that the biggest topic of conversation for me or the biggest reason that I would be interested in seeing what happens is the least to do with play calling and the most to do with team administration. I don't think play calling is really Zach Taylor's issue. His game day management, his decision-making in games, you can nitpick for sure. And, and I'm sure that there are issues, but the decisions have largely been acceptable. In my opinion, the play calling has largely been acceptable. In my opinion, some of the play design, some of the concepts, I question whether they're taught correctly or maybe they're just getting caught off more than they should be. And in that regard, maybe the play calling hasn't been optimal. But think about the coaches that have given up play calling in recent history. Adam Gase, Matt Nagy. You think either of those guys are holding on to their jobs right now because they gave up play calling? Because I don't particularly think that, hey, Bill, uh, Bill Lazor, of course, used to coach for the Bengals up in Chicago calling the plays now. I mean, is that going to save Matt Nagy's job? Adam Gase's job is already forfeit in most people's opinion. It's kind of a desperation move. And to me, it seems like this is coming from front offices more than it's coming from those guys deciding to abdicate the duty for the betterment of the team. And Hugh Jackson was in a similar situation his last year, that third year with the Browns. And he gave up play calling duties to Todd Haley. And his biggest regret after he got fired was, hey, I gave up play calling. And, and and that opened up Pandora's box, right? So I understand that. And we're not talking about guys like Hugh and and Todd Haley, which are, you know, clearly hot button names when you talk about the coaching ranks compared to Taylor and Callahan. At the same time, I get it. it look, if the reason you're hired to do a job is being questioned, but it was the reason and what you hang your hat on, you're going to want to stick with it and try to fix it. And I think that's what Zach is doing. And I don't blame him for that. He is going to be shorthanded for the rest of the season at wide receiver. A quick update on Auden Tate. Obviously, the Bengals placed him on injured reserve last week. He successfully underwent shoulder sur surgery. He's going to be out four to six months, but is expected to make a full recovery and should be good to go for training camp at the end of July. We talk about it all the time on Locked On Bengals. The number one protein bar on the planet is Built Bar. If you're looking to get that summer bod, do it 
with Built Bar. You're talking about 18 amazing flavors that are covered in 100% chocolate, whether it's the peanut butter brownie, the double chocolate salted caramel, or my personal favorite mint brownie, maybe one of their new flavors like cookies and cream. Built Bar has something for everyone. And the best part about them, it isn't their amazing taste or the chocolate or the awesome flavors. It's the macros. Low in sugar, high in protein, perfect as you try to reach your fitness and physical goals. Check them out right now. Go to BuiltBar.com. And just because you listen to this podcast today, you're going to save money. Use promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com and you're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you, your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic bowl cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm Personal Price Plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Well, James, it's Tuesday evening. And what do we do every Tuesday evening? Well, we record the Locked On Bengals Midweek Mailbag, my favorite show of the week because we get to answer questions from our fantastic and interactive listeners. If you want to be a part of this in the future, make sure you tweet your questions to at Bengals. On Tuesdays, when you see the thread go up asking for your questions for each week's mailbag. James, before we get into our listener questions, my question for you this week is, do you prefer a white Christmas or not? Oh, absolutely a white Christmas. Look, I've lived in Cincinnati and Cleveland, Ohio my entire life. It's cold in December. If it's going to be cold, I better get some damn snow out of it. Right. I would love to be on the beach for Christmas once or once or twice in my life, maybe longer than that. That's not going to happen this year. So I'm totally okay with snow. That doesn't mean 22 inches of snow. I still want to be able to drive. Right. But uh, yeah, a a couple inches of snow. It's it's pretty. Jake, what about you? You like a white Christmas? I think you've described the the optimal scenario. The couple inches of snow, it's like 30 degrees. So it's not really sticking to the roads that well, but you've got a nice coating, a nice little dusting on the trees, a couple inches on the grass. You can still get to your Christmas evening movie. I, I think that's a thing people do. That's something I was raised Jewish. So that's something we always did. We, we had Chinese in a movie on Christmas. It was great. I, uh, I, I totally get, dig the movie, by the way. I'm in. I, I love going to the movie theater around then. Specifically, if you're in a colder climate, which we were both raised in Cincy, and that's that's the reality. There's only so much you can do. Obviously, this year, I won't be going to the movies, unfortunately. You can still watch a movie because uh, I think oh, Warner sure. Brothers, they're putting all their movies out on the internet. Their, their entire year roster, they're releasing them in the theaters and putting them on the internet at the same time. Anyway, let's get into some football questions, shall we? We've got some questions about some players here, some questions uh, looking toward the offseason. We're going to start with Drew's question at LWOS Drew on Twitter. 
What free agent signing, James, would get you to think, okay, the Bengals are actually serious about trying to win? Drew has seen a lot of people theorizing or prioritizing Joe Tooney, and he wanted to know what our thoughts are. There's no doubt that, that Joe Tooney is one of them. Here's the thing. It isn't just one, and it isn't just one position. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be offensive line because I know a lot of people are going to do that, but the Bengals obviously draft-wise are going to be in a good position to add a, a high-quality lineman. But Joe Tooney falls under that category. If Taylor uh, Moton, uh, the, the right tackle from Carolina, if he's somehow, and I might say his name wrong, it might be Moton. Uh, I'm sorry. He's PFF's highest-graded right tackle. And if he somehow hits free agency, if you scoop him up, sign me up, right? Um, but but they're, they're, it's not just that. Like if they sign Kenny Galladay or they sign Allen Robinson uh, or, or they sign someone like that, that tells me they're very serious about trying to win because those are top of the market guys. Those are guys that are in their prime, ready to hit the ground running now. And so if they do that and they add that playmaker, or they add that lineman, that's a sign to me. And in the thing I would say, Jake, about this offseason, don't be narrow minded and, and just look at things uh, as I hold my hands over my face here. Uh, look at moves um, solely in that light. Right. Like if they sign Allen Robinson, that just means that they feel really good about the offensive lineman in the draft because they know it's an issue. I know for a fact they know that they need to get better in the trenches. And so that's the thing is it's the whole pie, what they do in the draft, what they do in free agency. So whether it's signing a guy like Moten, signing a guy like Tooney or Robinson or Galladay, any of those top of the market guys, if they're able to get one of them, then I think it's clear that they're trying to make a push and, and upgrade the roster. What about you? Who stands out? I want to see more than any individual player. I want to see another year where there is a cohesive plan. And I want to see something similar to last year for the defense, but it positions that I value more highly than, than necessarily spending the money on DJ reader. I love DJ reader. I think he's a fantastic player. I think that he makes a significant difference to this team in run defense. And I think that they lost something massive and not just the physical size way when DJ reader went down with the injury. So I'm not criticizing the DJ reader move. However, that is a move that you, you spent the money at nose tackle. They also spent a lot of money at corner, which I appreciate I just don't necessarily agree with the player they picked. But regardless of all of that, they've put all this capital into the defense. And honestly, I think you just kind of have to let the defense be what it's going to be at this point, in my opinion. You hope that your, your linebackers turn out. And, and for this offseason, hope is the plan for me for the defense. If you can get what If you can get an edge rusher, great. If you can find a way to improve in the trenches on defense, great. But the most important thing after Joe Burrow just got hurt and, and Jonah Williams just got hurt is pour all of your resources into offense. And that is free agency dollars. That's going to be their approach to the draft. It's going to be their approach to accumulating draft capital somehow. And they're a year late for this is, is part of the problem. And what will make it difficult is, they didn't go all in on the tank last year. They tried to keep their aging assets. And instead of getting, I don't know, maybe a third round pick for Carlos Dunlap last year, if he was going to get that or in the off season, maybe if, if you're lucky, you, you get uh, what? Sixth round pick, seventh round pick and, and a guy, an offensive lineman who 
hasn't even been active on your team where you've had awful interior offensive line play for the last few weeks. So they've put themselves in a difficult position. So I want to see the cohesion, the cohesive plan. The other thing that would really sell me on this ownership group is overhauling the front office. I've said this for years. It, it needs to be modernizing this team, modernizing the way that they run their organization. Imagine if the Bengals were run like a corporation and not like a mom and pop grocery store. I know they are a mom and pop grocery store in terms of the NFL sphere, but in a corporate environment, not to say that corporate environments are great, this kind of performance wouldn't be tolerated. And you would make sweeping organizational changes to right the ship. And I don't think that's something that the Bengals have got in them. So I know this started with who would they have to sign for me to take them seriously? And you named some great players that I think would be potentially really good signings. But for me, it's a lot more than that. Sure, no doubt. And that that's that's what they're fighting because as you know, the likelihood of that is yeah. uh, extremely, it's extremely unlikely. Yeah. It, it probably won't happen. And and so that's the the key then. And, and that may be why they can't get some of these these top guys, even though I think they're certainly capable with Joe Burrow at the helm. Let's stick with uh, a player who's on the Bengals roster and set for free agency. Matthew asks, and he's at Matty Wayne on Twitter, what am I not seeing in Carl Lawson? Does he stand out amongst the scrubs? Sure. But are we really going to pay him top five to top 10 edge money? Is it safe to say that with this being a, a crucial contract year, is this the best he's going to get? So the the issue with Carl Lawson and with the Bengals situation on defense is if they don't bring Carl Lawson back, they have nothing. They have nothing at the edge rusher position. So you say that, you know, what, what am I missing? What, what, why are we saying, you know, he's so great? Do I want to pay him top five edge rusher money? No, because that should be reserved for Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett you know, that type of player and, and Carl Lawson isn't quite there, but according to PFF, anyway, Carl Lawson has been the 16th best full-time defensive end in terms of pass rushing this season. So that's pretty good. I pay him top 15 defensive end money. The question with Lawson is he's been healthy this year. He has not been healthy in the past. And so that's the risk with Lawson and, and with the defense, it's both, it's both Lawson and as William Jackson, because if both of those guys or one of those guys go, regardless of what you think about them not being top tier at their position, they're good. They're at least, you know, top third, top quarter at their position. You're Cincinnati. Does that mean you might have to overpay? I hope not, but maybe, you know, we've, we've heard some rumors that Carl Lawson wants a lot of money and mm-hmm. that's going to make things challenging. But if you let those guys go, I said, let the defense be what it's going to be. That assumes that you're keeping those two guys, to be honest, because if it's not, then then you're not even close to functional, most likely on defense. So that that's that's a lot of what it is. They, they've got nothing else. And he's actually been really good. Yeah, the sacks aren't there. He has five sacks, according to PFF. But the pass rushing production, the pass rushing wins are still there. And, you know, when Joe was still on the podcast, we talked about all the time. Edge rushers can't win by themselves. They need one or two other pieces unless they are one of those top three, four guys in the NFL. And so Carl Lawson has suffered because they don't have that in Cincinnati. 
And I would keep both. And I'll tell you the exact path. And this is exactly what I would do. I would sign William Jackson the third to an extension because he is, without a doubt, including Trey Wayne's your number one corner. He's the best corner they've drafted since Leon Hall and Jonathan Joseph. He's better than Denard was. He's better than all those other first rounders, Drake Kirkpatrick, et cetera. And so keep him. Right. And it's probably going to be a contract around what Trey Waynes, maybe a little more than what Trey Waynes is getting. The good news is, is if, if Waynes doesn't pan out in year two, then he can be a, a cut candidate going into that third year in 2022. So it's not like you're hitched to him forever. It was only a three year deal. And then as far as Carl Lawson, because of the injuries, because of the production being there, but the sacks not in there being question marks, I'm comfortable with franchise tagging him. What's the the worst case? You know, you're paying him like a top five defensive end, but if you franchise tag him, but you're not committed to him long term. And so I I kind of think that's probably the scenario and the most realistic scenario they go. And I would be fine with that given his injury history. Now, if he's willing to take twelve million per and not you know sixteen seventeen million, like, because I think that's what he's going to be asking for is big time money. And um, I, I I don't know if we'll get it on the open market or not. I would tag him and not let him get there so I can see all these other pieces on defense and how they come together. Waynes and Reeder and all these guys that you invested in, Von Bell, Bates, you, you need to keep talent around them. And Jackson and, and Lawson, like you said, they're uh, crucial to the Bengals' potential success in 2021. Yeah, that's the issue is you, you can't let your only good players go. Everyone's talked about, you know, turn over the defense. Well, they've got two good players that are free agents. You can't, you cannot afford to lose the couple talented performing players that you've got right now. Last question before we shift gears, James comes from Aaron J at Aaron LJ underscore 13 on Twitter. How are Akeem Davis Gaither and Logan Wilson progressing their rookie years? I like what I've seen from Logan Wilson. I think he's progressing. I think he's everything you had hoped, you know, he's flashed the playmaking ability. He's had a couple sacks, right? He's, moving around and stuff. Look, th- there's just a big difference between Wyoming and the NFL. So uh, th- there's an adjustment period there, but it's it's kind of funny. I just said William Jackson III is the best first, you know, best corner they've drafted in over a decade since Hall and Joseph, right? And I think it was Joseph then Hall, if I remember correctly. Um, but looking at, maybe it was Hall then Joseph, either way. Uh, it, but looking at, uh, this group of linebackers and what they've done at that spot, I, I think it's already kind of clear that Logan Wilson's the best like mid-round linebacker they've gotten and maybe linebacker they've drafted in how long. He's better than Nick Vigil, I think. Like I think the potential's there for him to be better than a lot of these guys. And no, they didn't draft Vontez perfect for those thinking about that. So uh, the bar's low there, but I, I've been impressed. And as far as Akeem Davis-Gaither, again, you're going from Appalachian State to the Cincinnati Bengals in the NFL. Um, you, you talked about this a lot in the offseason. He didn't have like a true NFL position in college with the way he was being used. But I think you've seen some flashes. And I, I think he's like he's 21. He's a coach's son. He's extremely athletic. It's going to take a little time. But I, I actually really do like his potential. And, and hopefully this year, the leap, you see a big leap from year one to year two because you've seen some flaws, right? You've seen some missed tackles and him getting exploited in coverage and all that stuff. I think we'll be able to clean some of that stuff up this offseason and, and be much better next year. We'll see, because I was hoping the same thing for Jermaine Pratt, and I don't think we've seen that. But we'll, we'll see with Akeem Davis-Gaither. But I, I like his attitude and the way he carries himself, and I could certainly see him growing into a good player. 
We need one of these guys to get developed. We need we need somebody that this organization has drafted to develop in a positive way. Logan Wilson, I think, is, is taking some steps. He had a rough couple of first games in the NFL. He's been solid since then. I think that he will only improve next year, especially if they can get some consistency going on defense. I think that that has probably been a problem for him. Akeem Davis Gaither, we've seen his snaps actually diminish. So I'm a little bit worried for him. I, I think he might be hitting a bit of a rookie wall. And I think that a full NFL offseason will do him good. And we'll see where he's at next year before we can really make a real determination of what direction his career is going in. I think the book is more out on Davis Gaither than it is on Logan Wilson, who I think can at least be a solid player for this team. That does wrap up our player-related questions, our off-season-related questions, though, James. So let's get into the coaching questions coming up next. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Let's continue with our midweek mailbag. And Andrew, 9424-8299 on Twitter, Jake. Again, that's Andrew, 9424-8299 on Twitter. Asks... Would there be any benefit to firing one or multiple coaches right now rather than waiting? Hmm. So, so when does this make sense? Oh, by the way, uh, good job. Good delivery. You got the full Twitter name in there. So if anybody wants to go follow Andrew, <laughs> Andrew 9424829, that's three times we've said it. We're doing great. Uh, when is it beneficial to fire a coach mid-season? The Bengals have done this a few times in their history. When we've talked about some of those historical coaches that got maybe longer than they should have, many of them were fired after poor starts to a season. I don't know how often you see a coach get fired this late into a season. I mean, we're, we have a month left. Paul Daner was saying this on, on the Hear That Podcast Growling show, I think their walkout show. He's saying, look, guys, we have a month left. What, what are we really going to benefit from firing a coach now. I mean, you, you still need somebody to, to do all the things these coaches do. So if you fire Zach Taylor, you make Darren Simmons an interim head coach, you're just making Darren Simmons' life a little bit harder, right? Now, now he has to do head coaching duties. He's already doing some of them. I'm sure he's the assistant head coach. He's, you're just giving him more work. Now Brian Callahan has to call plays, which, you know, not, not necessarily the worst thing, but I just don't necessarily see a huge benefit. So James, maybe you can, maybe you can tell me what the benefit would be. I mean, it would be cathartic for fans. I can guarantee you the Bengals front office doesn't give too many shits about that. So what's the pro what's the plus. The, the argument for it would be 
one, a position coach, right? I would say, or a coordinator or someone that's getting in the way of the development. So for example, let's use Michael Jordan, right? He's been awful and was awful on Sunday. And Jim Turner, what maybe you're like, man, he hasn't developed these guys the way we want. He's out. It might not change the year and it won't change the year. But I, I agree with you that unless you think Zach is just stunning growth and development and just really getting in the way of stuff, why would you do that? And heck, I'm the guy who wrote the column that he shouldn't be back. And I, I ripped him earlier this week. And I, I think that was deserved and the criticisms deserved. I also don't really see the benefit to firing him now. Like you said, look, they've dealt with a ton of injuries. Uh, Brand, they're, they're wrong with Brandon Allen and Ryan Finley and a lot of Taylor's guys, right? Just keep him on board and, and see if he can do anything with this group. And the other thing is Darren Simmons has been in Cincinnati for nearly two decades. This dude is a guy that's paid his dues. The last thing you want to do is make him inherit this team where he's bound to go 0-4 and, and he's going to go winless. And I know it's an interim head coaching job, but th that's kind of – I, I honestly, I think that's disrespectful to him just as much as Taylor because you're putting him in a bad position. And he might be the candidate that you end up going with anyways. Like I, I could certainly see that path. So if that's even – the remote possibility, then why not wait and, and interview him this off season and give him a fair shake at the job? Yeah. And that goes really well into our next question. But before I do go to the next question, which is going to combine many people who are asking similar questions, I, I do think that firing Jim Turner would actually make sense when you, when you brought that up, I, I wasn't for some reason thinking about him, even though that would be, that should be very obvious to me. I don't like him very much. You put Ben Martin in charge. And, and you just see if you get anything different. You see if he has different opinions. seems like Ben Martin's doing a lot of the game day stuff anyway. I, I mean, it would be increasing his workload, but maybe, maybe he gets, I don't know. I don't know whose guy Mike Jordan is. Maybe it's also Ben Martin's guy. Maybe it doesn't matter. But uh, if it does, then, then great. So we've got a bunch of people that are asking about Zach Taylor and about potential replacements to Zach Taylor. I'm going to try to summarize these questions and get it into one topic for us. So these questions come from Block for Burrow, who's at Duder the on Twitter. We've got a question here from I Ben Nicholas at N Schneiders21 on Twitter. We've got McCoy, aka 56, 56 Snapshot, who's fixed the spelling, I think, in his in his name. At pull my pants up is on Twitter. And Jojo Jammer <laughs> at win one Super Bowl. On Twitter, And they're all asking, we've heard Zach Taylor's job is safe, but his assistants are not. What coaches do you think are on the chopping block of their assistants? And what about Darren Simmons? Should he be the front runner? What about Joe Brady? He has the best relationship with Burrow. What about Robert Salah? Will an NFL team scoop him up? So some names to talk about and some questions for which assistants are on the block. That's, that's where we're going with this last combined a mega question for today's locked on Bengals mailbag, James. Yeah. And look it, fair. And, and I have some thoughts on this and we're going to be talking about this uh, probably for a lot of this month, to be honest with you. And, and even after that, if Zach Taylor remains the coach or if we go into a coaching search, but uh, let's start here. Look at what the giants did in our doing with Joe judge. Look at, what the Washington football team is doing with Ron Rivera. Look at what the Dolphins are doing with Brian Flores. Uh, I'm going to be pushing offensive-minded coaches all day long because of Joe Burrow, but 
you can be successful without getting an offensive coach. So Robert Salah, for example, I'm on board. You know, I'm open to interviewing him for sure. Darren Simmons, same way. Uh, because like Joe Judge, special teams, right? And a guy who's coached the Bengals' best unit and most consistent unit for years. So why not give him a, another serious look? There's a reason you made him uh, Zach Taylor's number two, the associate head coach behind him. So with that being said, Joe Brady, I think Joe Brady is everything the Bengals thought Zach Taylor was. A innovative offensive mind that is going to get the most out of his offense and be fun and refreshing and be exactly what, again, they thought Zach Taylor was. The difference is, is Joe Brady has coached um, multiple teams now, NFL and college. He's the offensive coordinator at LSU last year. Before that, learned from Sean Payton in New Orleans. So then he goes to LSU and helps Joe Burrow win the Heisman and go 15-0 and with the Tigers. And then this year, he's got a, honestly, a, a below-average Carolina Panthers roster that lost Christian McCaffrey, that that has dealt with some injuries, pretty good on offense, right? And, and it's kind of made Teddy Bridgewater look like a, a real a real starting quarterback in this league. And even when Teddy went down, they had success uh, with, uh, and, and I forget the backup's name. He was, uh, he, he was in the XFL. Um, pa Walker. I, I think it's Walker, uh, PJ Walker. And I might be wrong on that, but my, my point is, is there are a lot of good candidates out there and you have Joe Burrow and I get it. The Bengals might not be the number one destination, but there are some candidates that, that deserve a look if you go that route. And, and I'm open to all of them. And, and that's uh, it might start with Brady. Obviously, Eric Bieniemy is going to be another name that's mentioned. But um, yeah, so if, if if that makes sense at all, Jake, I, I'm listening and open to any of these guys if it means getting rid of four twenty three and one. I just want to shout out one of our listeners who DM me today. He started a Google sheet where he's trying to put together some of the potential coaching candidates, and he's got like all of their connections historically. Some of the guys that they've coached with in the past that they might bring in to, to various coaching positions, coordinators, uh, position coaches, which I think is just like a really cool thing that he's working on. He's got it for like Robert Salah and Joe Brady and some of these guys. So I, I think that's a really cool project. And the only thing I'm going to say about this, because this is going to be a massive conversation for us or not, because maybe they just keep Zach Taylor, which is what I expect right now. Uh, but Yikes. if they, but if they continue to melt down like this, then I don't see, I mean, it's got to be ruffling feathers in that front office. But the only thing I'm going to say is to me, the risk of hiring a guy like Robert Salat, who maybe looks like a modern Marvin Lewis or, mm -hmm. or Darren Simmons, not to say special teams coach coaches can't be successful because we saw Harbaugh win a Super Bowl. We saw him have success in Baltimore. The risk is, you lose the guys that make them special. So Marvin Lewis, you know, they have a great year with Hugh Jackson, an offensive coordinator. He's gone. And then the, and then the offense couldn't figure it out for the most part after that. Or, you know, you're, you're say, say you're Joe Brady, say, say Joe Brady is, is a guy instead of Marvin Lewis and things are going pretty well. You get Mike Zimmer in your defense comes together. You lose Mike Zimmer and then your defense slowly deteriorates. So I guess, I guess it's a bit of a risk both ways, but the thing is, is that offense is more consistent in the NFL, which is why we see Andy Reid and why we're going to see Kyle Shanahan as long as he doesn't lose like 75% of his team to injuries every year. These offensive-minded coaches are there quite frequently. And, and then there are guys like Bill Belichick that can do it all. Yes, there are exceptions to that rule, but 
offense in the NFL generally in the current rule set more consistent than defense. And so that's why to me, if you have to pick one or the other for a head coach, you are picking offense just because I think that's more stable. And so that's something that we're going to have to talk about. I think there are multiple sides to that conversation and we have a long way to go. Uh, Like I said, there's a month left in this season. And hopefully it's a conversation we can have and continue to have with the coaching search. Brian Dable's another name, the Mm -hmm. Bills offensive coordinator, I would certainly take a look at. And I agree with you. I lean offense, but I'm really open-minded, right? (laughs) I'm more open-minded now than I was two years ago replacing Marvin because Marvin was at least decent for a long time. Taylor has been bad. And so I think it's easy to replace bad. I, I, I don't think the risk is there as much. And so that's why I'm just open and ready to listen uh, to whatever besides what it is. But I, I do agree. I lean Joe Brady, Bienemy, Dable, these offensive minds that can get the most out of number nine. Dable will be a very interesting one because he was bad in the NFL. Then he went to Alabama and now he's back in the NFL and now he's suddenly good. Or, or maybe Josh Allen is good. I don't know. I don't know which it is. Anyway, uh, a lot to talk about, obviously, with coach candidates. The other thing that you always have to consider is we don't, we don't know. Being a head coach is different from being a good coordinator, guys. So, you know, you could be the best coordinator in the world. Go get a head coach job, fall flat on your face. You see it all the time. You go from college to the pros. Say, say you're a Lincoln Riley person. Sometimes the best college coaches go to the pros and fall on their face. Nick Saban, you know, Chip Kelly. So you never know what you're really getting. It, it has to mix right. It has to hit right. And so really when we're talking head coaching search, we really don't know enough to really know what they're getting in any of these guys. But that is going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Tomorrow we are back. Marcus Mosher, Lockdown Cowboys, Andy Dalton coming back to Cincinnati with the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to talk about it starting tomorrow. Something interesting to look forward to this weekend. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.